only way to create value is to care, believe, and be fair. So expect excellence from yourself, not others, because leaders will lead and followers will follow. Always want to be number one, but know you are your biggest competitor. And above all, never give up. This is Hans Finzel. Welcome to the Leadership Answer Man. This is a show for leaders about taking leadership to the next level. If you desire to learn to be a better leader, this podcast is for you. I promise to give you practical leadership tips you can use right away. My passion is to help you lead more effectively. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this podcast. This is a special one for all you millennials out there or those of you who work with millennials. I have a, uh, I've really appreciated all the feedback I've gotten on my pain points. A lot of you have done that, sent those in to me. Some of you have gotten that free book offer, and I'm enjoying sending those out. I still have a few books left. If you want to go to hansfinzel.com slash free book and fill that out, I'll send you a copy of my Changes Like a Slinky. All right. Today, we're going to interview a gentleman by the name of Patrick Kelly. Before we do, I want to read you one of the pain points that was sent to me by one of you young female listeners. And I think Patrick's interview that I have today, Millennials in Leadership, an interview with Patrick Kelly, really goes well with this email uh, that was sent. Quote, if you please, would you consider sharing a podcast with some leadership advice for millennials striving to demonstrate the value they have to offer and coaching on how to best work through conflict in the workplace? I see so many individuals who are uncomfortable when dealing with conflict, and I think that with a little help and guidance, we can overcome that, which makes us uncomfortable and move forward to positive solutions. She says one more thing. Thank you for your willingness to share your experiences and grooming those who are itching to influence the world around them. I love that. Thank you so much for that. I would encourage you to listen to podcast episode number 21 on Care Enough to Confront a whole podcast dedicated into the danger zone and uh, confronting. But I understand that's a problem. And I I know that millennials kind of have a different view of a workplace. And I'm so excited. I was on a recent trip to China and on the way over the ocean, over the Pacific, from San Francisco to Beijing, I met a gentleman near me that was uh, roaming around. His name is Patrick Kelly. He's a businessman. He's 29 years old, lives in Los Angeles, fascinating guy. And I said, would you be willing to have me interview you on my podcast because I love some of the stuff you're saying about the kind of culture you create in your company. And he said, sure. So I just recorded this. I'm going to lay it out for you now. I want to warn you that the audio on his side is not very good. I think he had a slow internet connection. So you're going to find my quality on my side is great, but his quality is a little... Uh, It leaves a little to be desired because it's a Skype connection. Something went wrong technically. Uh, It's not the best, but I still think the the content's so great. Uh, We do want to offer that to you. So listen in now to my interview, Millennials in Leadership, an interview with Patrick Kelly. I'm very excited to have uh, as my guest today, Patrick Kelly. You're going to get to know a fascinating young leader from out in California. Welcome, Patrick. Thanks, Hans. Good to be here. We uh, met over the uh, Pacific Ocean a few weeks ago when we were both on our way uh, to Beijing, China. I was going for uh, doing some work, uh, doing some training, and you were, I think, going for uh, an MBA course? Yes, finishing up the MBA program abroad over with uh, Fresno State University. Awesome. And uh, you tried to squeeze in some sightseeing in between a very hectic schedule, I understand. Between the, between the schedule, we were able to get off to um, a few sightseeing tours in Beijing, Hong Kong, and even over to Korea the last couple of days. So um, the seminars were, were 
tiring and long, but you know there was reward at the end of the end of the tunnel, so it was good. Well, I want um, the reason I wanted you on my show is that we started talking about leadership. You were interested in what I'd do, and then you were telling me about this book by Richard Florida, The Rise of the Creative Class, which we're going to talk about toward the end of the show. But uh, you're 29 years old. You're married. You have one child, and you're uh, you have a big business that you lead. And I was fascinated at your view of leadership from your generation, which I think is considerably different uh, from my boomer generation and you're one of the people that i just love to have as my listeners and i like to offer things for your generation so let's start by having uh, tell my listeners just a little bit of your story your background and your businesses sure i'll, I'll give you a brief brief uh, history of myself you know we were born i was born and raised in, in california but with my your generation the boomer generation just my, my father he traveled around uh, so we moved to the East Coast, living in Delaware, Connecticut, and then even down to Florida. Um, as my, dra- my dad traded uh, frozen concentrated orange juice um, on the New York Stock Exchange with other major corporations. So it's funny, you know, my whole life as a kid, people would ask what my dad did, and I told them he traded orange juice. You know, two guys in the, in, in the back alley trading, trading orange juice boxes, you know, like he drank at the schoolyard. So um, <laughs> it was always a, a funny conversation to talk about growing up. Um, you know, question marks would always go up in our heads going, well, what the heck's going on? What does he do? You know, I finished high school in Florida and a few years journey later back to California, uh, following, you know, following my dad's footsteps of trading orange juice, you know, so that's what we started doing. Um, throughout the years, we started, I started working within the citrus industry. Uh, that was in 2005. And then a few years later, just found a better way of doing business, um, outside of the current company I was working for. And throughout 2008 to 2010, I started three businesses within the citrus industry and then sold on and moved on to Kelly Brothers Inc., which we started in 2010, actually October of 2010, putting Saturday, last Saturday, as our four-year anniversary of being in business. And we're very excited to actually be going into the fifth year uh, of business uh, this year, starting November 1st. So, um, that's a little bit of a brief little summary of, of who I am and kind of where I've journeyed in the last, you know, actually probably 20 years. So you are a leader. You've started a number of companies. And uh, so it's still your business right now. Just tell the listeners uh, your business today, what it consists of. Kelly Brothers Inc. consists of one, a brand, a pineapple brand called Goldie's. And then we consist of importing and exporting uh, citrus products, grapes, melons, and pineapples. And uh, our goal right now is focusing on processors, which make value-added fruit bowls and juices for the consumer industry, the retailers. We're more in the middle, uh, in this middle of man in the supply chain, not really a broker, but we actually grow some product and contract the growers to grow product for us. And that can, the company also consists of my brother, Chris Kelly, who runs all and the entire operations um, internationally and domestically here within the United States. And then we also have another company that we work with that we just started, which is Sweet Goldies LLC, which is going to be the new brand which we've come out with. We're just going to start filtering more through the Sweet Goldies LLC. And then also we have a trucking company that we have as well that we monitor all of our shipments through and also other hard hard commodities. Wow. So you've got a lot going on for a 29-year-old. You and I think it's very cool that you're uh, working with your, your brother and... Um, 
Is it more than one brother, or is it just your one brother you work with? Just my one brother. We have another brother. He is obviously does a little bit of other um, business, and he's on his own path out in Orlando, Florida. That's uh, awesome, and I think it's great. I think it's great you're in the fruit business because uh, our family loves eating healthy and eating lots of fruit, so I'm glad you're, you're providing that. Okay, so how many people would be involved in your organization that you and your brother, quote, lead as part of your all your businesses together? I mean, if you're looking at the people that we actually employ, it's I mean, it's going to be less than 10, uh, but the people that we're leading every day, that's including because we do contract farmers, we do contract growers. So we, uh, we have a list of a good 40 to 50 people we have to manage on a weekly basis to actually to be able to progress to make our business model sustainable. Okay, so you know, I define leadership with that one word, influence. So you're influencing a lot more people than your direct employees. So let's shift to this whole talk about leadership from the vantage point of your generation. Uh, you're getting a lot done, but I have a feeling the way you get things done is probably very different than the older generation. What's unique about your brand of leadership as a generation? Our generation looks at situational leadership. It's how the whole generation is switching their decision-making. Um, I, I might be speaking too soon, but it's what I've seen, obviously, in my time during my 10-year span of going and get my bachelor's degree and in my two years to get my master's. But I, you know, I, I'm a people watcher, and that's what I see. We have to hear all the options. We have to filter through the good and the bad for ourselves before making any educated decision. And it sometimes becomes a problem. But that's situational leadership, too. you got to depict every situation of how it is and what, what, it, what it is. What is the benefit and what are the faults in it? Now, is that good or bad? I see that the older generation does not like, does not like that type of leadership. They are more of a probably transformational or they you know, sit down, do what you're told for this many years, and this is what will come out of it. I mean, I use different types of of leadership within our organization and outside of our organization, such as transformational, innovative, and even charismatic at times, because there's so many different ways of leadership that different cultures, as well as, you know, America's got a wide range of different cultures, but going down to Costa Rica, you got to be a little more charismatic leader down there because the way their culture is. So um, our leadership as, as a company too, with myself, as we change leadership styles depending on the culture and the value of each individual but today's generation focuses a lot a lot more on the situational leadership Now, when you talk about situational leadership, Patrick, are you talking about the classic uh, Hershey and Blanchard years ago idea of situational leadership? I am focusing more on that, yes. I like that because, I I mean, I'm a big fan of that and uh, where you have to change your leadership style according to, you know, uh, the person, you know, how, how mature are they, how motivated are they. Uh, how yeah. smart are they? But um, okay, so you're a huge fan of situational leadership, and you practice that a lot. We we do, and like I said, I use three out of the five leadership styles. 
But like I said, on a daily basis, it's probably more situational on an every you know every day year to year basis. Uh, can I ask you a little bit? About, I didn't prep you for this ahead of time, but that's okay because we're just going to have free flowing conversation. But uh, we were video skyping yesterday, and I noticed your office is a typical bullpen, which is sort of what I see as the new model, where you know you're the boss, but you don't have a quiet closed office in the corner in fact you just had to chase everybody out so we could do this interview tell me a little bit about the culture that you were creating or that over the last four years congratulations four years in your new businesses what is what is the culture that you have created and are really passionate about on your team there working together describe it a little bit what the culture's like the culture's fantastic yeah there's no other way to say it i I love it i love the I love the energy that everybody brings in every day, whether it's good or bad. I mean, we, we set a style of the, uh, the four hour work week. I don't know if you've ever heard I am, of the, yes, um, I'm very, the book, fam- I'm very familiar with that. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, again, the creative class along with the four hour work week, we try to create an environment when you're here, let's be here. Let's get our stuff done. Let's also try to have some fun while we're here. Um, if, if I shifted my camera to uh, the other part of the office, you know, you would have saw the PlayStation 3 and a 55-inch TV hooked up as well because there are just times of the day that, you know, we need to make sure that we're in the right mind and mood to do business because we don't want to project, project any bad vibes or anything else on our customer vendors or anybody else that we need to talk to. So uh, the company culture that I am shooting for is just to have a fantastic, great time at work. I mean, that's the, our model is to make money and our model is to grow good fruit with quality and integrity. But our, our jobs are also our passion and to have fun. So that's what we want to say and that's what we want to do. Who are some of the voices that you listen to today as you're developing your own leadership skills? You said you like to read. I know you've just finished, uh, I mean, you're finishing up your MBA. Yeah, who are some of those voices? You know, it's funny because I moved back out to California and really had no no sense of anybody being out here or living out here besides, you know, my father and my brother. So it's it's funny because I listen listen to a lot of things that my father's done over the past because he was very a horrible teacher uh, in our personal life. So the bad habits were easy to easy to pick up but filtering out the you know the bad and taking out the good was one of the biggest things i did so you know always learning from from his mistakes was always a a big factor um my wife uh, she's been pretty much a life coach since we were kids i've been with my wife since 2001 um as obviously high school uh through college and then moving away and then doing all our other things in between and we're able to get married in 2008 so um she's been there every step of the way taught me a lot of things that I should and shouldn't do as well. Um, my brother, my brother Chris has been here every day. Um, he fights every day to what my passion and I believe in. Sacrificing himself, not going to college and making sure I was able to get through what I needed to do um, to, to be able to promote my passion. And then obviously, um, Jahoon, which has been a great friend of mine, who keeps pushing me as far as possible. And I outperform him now. And the, the funny thing about it is he loves it. He uh-huh. loves that I can outperform him, and he'll say it every day. Yeah, well, you're not doing enough. <laughs> That's a great mentor. So, uh, uh, very close. Yeah, more family and friends so that are really close to me. Hey, uh, since you and your brother run this business together, I, I hear from a lot of people who are in family businesses. Sometimes it's great. A lot of times there's a lot of drama. But I assume you two are very different in your skill set and your personality. What does he bring to the table? What do you bring to the table? How does that create that yeah. synergy between the two of you? You know, it's really funny. And I'll give you a sense of my brother's personality 
Uh, if I was to ask him that question right now, he, and I would say, what do you bring to the table? He would say nothing because that's the type of personality that he has. And it's funny because Chris used to work on the East Coast up in New Jersey um, for a company called, you know, a company that worked at outside of Cargill, and they did a lot of uh, process for juices. And he was always running around operations, operations, you know, supply chain management. Right. So Chris, Chris brings the operational factor, you know, outside of anything you can think of. I mean, you want to have an email sending contest and who's going to get the most done? It's going to be Chris. You know, he's going to make sure that the messes are lined up, which days they're coming in. And that, uh, the supply chain management um, on his part has been exceptional. I mean, you can't even, I can't get past it. I can't even do it better myself. So my strong point has always been uh, strategy and finance. So I'm big. I, I manage a lot of the finances. I bring a lot of the creative strategy on how to uh, gain more cash flow, how to make the numbers look right, how to be able to buy fruit a year from now, sell on the futures market, and be able to, you know, man not manipulate, but actually, you know, manipulate and say, hey, if we sell now in July of next year, we can get this much money instead of selling the spot market for the next six months to be able to try and get this much money. So more creative ways of the financing and uh, strategic marketing. That sounds like a great combo. I also think you're the people person of the two of you, aren't you? Yes, I am. I'm all PR. Yeah, I haven't met uh, your brother, Chris, but I know the day I met you on the plane, you were just uh, <laughs> cruising around talking to people. <laughs> Chris would probably be, hey. he, Chris yeah. was probably, everybody was on Wi-Fi on this 747, but Chris would have been at his seat getting things done while you're going around schmoozing with people, right? Oh, no. Chris told me the whole time. He goes, how do I get to my email? He kept asking me on the plane. I go, you're not getting to your email. And he goes, all right. So he sat there and he watched the movie the whole time. And it's funny because I told Chris, I go, you didn't even walk around the plane. He goes, I didn't know we were allowed to. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Well, I really dug meeting you. Sense of his personality. That's great. I love it when the different personalities really learn to work well together and I wanted to ask you about a big mistake you've made in leading your business that you learned from. And I'd like it to be not so much a financial stupid mistake, but related to leading people, something that you, you know, a big mistake you made that you learned from. Well, we recently, we just, actually on March 31st, we just uh, released our new trademark brand, Goldies. And it's a sweet Costa Rican pineapple. And it's been going fantastic. Well, during that time, I shifted and was working more towards our pineapple program and how to focus, you know, put more focus on this and more sales and maybe try to create more revenue out of the pineapple program than what we were doing before. And we shifted roles, Chris and I, as he was going to handle sales sales, and he was going to do some things in the watermelon program to be able to manage it while I was, you know, kind of more focusing on the pineapple because it needed to take more time, you know, meeting with the attorneys, get the trademark done. There was a little bit more that had to be done and more focused, and I couldn't focus on sales and my customers during that time. So during uh, Chris started a contract, and it was funny because in the middle of the contract, he started telling me, I don't think this is a good idea, and he started really telling me, hey, you know, I really want to talk to you about this. I understand that we're busy, but if you look at this, how this contract's going, we're going to end up bad. 
And, you know, not in a financial standpoint, but even a relational standpoint with our customers. And we, we, we actually just overlooked it. You know, we went back and looked at it over again, and we should have probably thrown up a red flag and said, hey, we need to stop because this is going to make us put us in a bad position. And it did. I mean, we're still seeing the after effects of the contract went bad. We, it's funny because we overlooked little aspects thinking that, oh, it's not a big deal. We're, we're all doing good business and, and things are going to work itself out in because no one's going to just give up on a, you know, few million dollar contract. Well, we, were, we were wrong. We saw the facts early. As a group, we didn't do what's right and step up and say, hey, we, were, we didn't want to do this because of these reasons. Uh, we were more focused on, hey, we, we got to keep going. We're moving the Goldie's product. We got to move to the next one. We got to keep going. So we were more focused on um, moving forward in a different direction. I think that if we would have looked at things more clearly, the, even me being a leader, not being as busy and shoving things off, I think that we could have, we could have seen this early and we wouldn't have failed as quick. Uh, but then without that lesson that we learned, without that risk, we would have had no reward. I mean, like I said, we are, we did reward off of it, but I still think the next time there should be more cautious steps when, when plans are being implemented. Uh, just like with strategy, you know, you, may, you might have your plan A, plan B. We more just had a plan A and we were hoping everything was going to go well and it didn't. You sound a lot like me. I'm a big picture visionary, and uh, I've had to learn to really listen to the detail people. And sometimes they try to slow us down, but we, we get annoyed with them. We're like, just stop asking all those questions. It's all going to be okay. But that's a great lesson, isn't it, that we need each other. We need the visionaries. We need the strategists. But, boy, I always like to say leadership is building a bridge from one side of the river to the other. You need the visionary who wants to build the bridge. You need the finance people. Make sure you got the money for the bridge, and you got the engineers who figure out how to build it correctly. So that, that's, a, that's an awesome lesson. I wanted to ask you uh, one more question here. If, you, if and when you mentor young leaders, and you've got probably people younger than you working in your office, what three things would you say are the most important things to strive for in leadership today? The way to create value is to care, believe, and be fair. So expect excellence from yourself, not others, because leaders will lead and followers will follow. Always want to be number one, but know you are your biggest competitor. And above all, never give up. I like it. That's good. That's nice and crisp and clean. Uh, the final thing I wanted to do is talk to you about this book, Richard Florida, Rise of the Creative Class. Uh, I think it's been around about, I think you said it was published in 99. I haven't gotten it yet, but I'm going to. But motivate me on why this is a book I need to read. Yeah, this was uh, what, read copyrighted in 2000, 2002, 2004. So it's still, you know, still in the last 12 years. I actually love this book. I got this book when I was in my, my undergrad degree at Fresno State. And by one of my teachers, they, they said, you know, this is you. you got to read this book. And, and I decided to. And it's more of the rise of the creative class is more of the new lifestyle of this of new generations. It's like, you know, think about the artist. You think about how he sits in his home all day and he's trying to think of what to paint or, or what to rap or what to sing. or You know, that's an artist. Well, more and more now, even my generation, just like you saw my office when we were on Skype the other day, you know, that this that office is at my house. It, it might not look like it, but that the office that I'm in and I work from every day is right at my house. And it's funny because days are just like the book. You sit there and you draw and you sketch and you do finances, you do numbers, 
But at the end of the day, that's your canvas. You know, my canvas is my computer, is my is my my PNL. Uh, you know, is my whiteboard when I'm writing things down. And that's what the the book pretty much you know goes into. You know, endless work time versus you know leisure time. It's all there is no there is no work time and leisure time. It's all leisure time because it's your passion. It's what you want to do. It's what you strive to do. Uh, you know, it gives a great sense for the urban lifestyle. For example, being in Hong Kong, I love being in Hong Kong having no car. I love that every shop was right on the sidewalk and I can walk in and say, oh, I need a water real quick. And I can zip in, grab a water and then hit, you know, and then even go to a, a public restroom. You know, you don't see that. You don't see that much in, in, uh, in America anymore, except in really big cities. But even the big cities have gotten away from it just because the way our society has grown with, you know, fast, 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 go, go, go. You know, no one really wants to sit down but Hong Kong was it, was it was very good you know everyday life is just completely changed so the beginning to work and live the way creative people do like artists and scientists always have lived so as a result the value and taste of our personal relationships choices where we live even the sense of time is it's all changing we don't look at it anymore like a Monday through Sunday we work we, we look at it as I open my eyes to when I close my eyes and I think that's the biggest, that, that's the shift that's happening. And Richard Flores says it, there's over 38 million Americans right now in many diverse fields that are starting to live this way. And that's going to be the creative class that will be here very, very soon. I love that. That's so great, Patrick. Thank you. I, I'm definitely going to get that book. And, um, you know, I do a lot of my, talking in my podcasts about do what you love, love what you do. And, and you are very fortunate. You have created a life and a business that are one and the same that, that you're just loving. I can just tell your passion for what you do. You know, it's the old saying that I think Confucius said originally, if you if you find work that you love, you'll never work another day of your life because it's not really work. And I, I just appreciate that so much. Um, any parting comments you want to make before we say goodbye? I appreciate the, uh, the invitation and look forward to hopefully seeing new leaders out every day. Do you have a website or a, a way people could get a hold of you if you wanted them to, if they had some more questions for you or wanted to buy some pineapples from you? Sure. We, we actually have two websites, which is kbfruit.com and sweetgoldies.com, um, G-O-L-D-I-E-S. And there's contact forms on both of them as well as um, email addresses and info, info addresses that uh, you can contact with us. And our Sweet Goldies page within the next – month we'll have uh, pineapples for purchase for the consumers so people will be able to order direct pineapples from costa rica and have them fresh fresh pineapples from costa rica instead of guessing you know how how old your pineapples are if you're buying at your local grocery market that's great well thank you so much patrick appreciate it uh, i know you're very busy have a great day and thanks for a great interview thank you hans we appreciate everything this has been Hans Finzel. Thank you for listening to the Leadership Answer Man. Remember that leaders make great things happen. We can always take our leadership to the next level. I hope you keep listening and learning and that you go out there this week and make a difference with your leadership.